keep on learning. That's what all the sages tell us about the secret to a long and fulfilled life. I've been learning. And one of the great discoveries is that I don't necessarily stop listening, even with a loss of hearing. I have spent the bulk of my years standing in front of guitar amplifiers, listening to myself trying to emulate some of the guitar sounds that have most moved me. I began this self-destructive behavior when I was 13 years old, convinced that the surest way to become cool was to play guitar, but mostly because I loved the sounds, the process, and the emotions that came from playing. Sixty years hence, I can say unequivocally that I was never seen as cool. But I now pay the price for all that high volume. Tinnitus has been part of my audiology for the past 15 years or so. Not enough to render me deaf, but enough to constantly hear the ringing of St. Dominic's church bells. I'm not whining. I love playing guitar to this day and I still crank up the sound to the level of being able to feel the sound as well as hear it. These days, I sport hearing protection as a begrudging acknowledgement of ear mortality. Further, last month I began wearing hearing aids to help me hear and understand the softly spoken words that Katie shares with me. Always a soft-voiced girl. Katie has gradually lost a certain confidence and volume in her spoken words, initially unable to recall the words she wants and then struggling to say it out loud. I want to be immediately receptive to helping her communicate whenever she is ready to do so. Hearing aids might give me a little boost. Forgive my bias but there are few sounds as sweet as Katie's voice in full speaking mode. During the past 50 years, the sound has been my cue for everything important. Statements of love, issues with kids, matters of health, blessings for our most tenuous adventures, gifts of her support, giggles of delight. They have been sounds of music to my ears as surely as cascading notes from a Clapton solo, and even more profound. Now, like the dimming of my hearing, her voice is waning too, and so we have to improvise. Katie and I engage in a version of charades, where I work to guess the word that she wants me to hear. If she's stuck, I ask for other words, or for her to point at something that will eventually take me there. We often laugh at the wild, wrong guesses that I make, sometimes purposely, sometimes not. If I look into her eyes, I sometimes think that I might see there the lyrics that are working so hard to be heard. And when we have helped each other to finally know the words, we feel the accomplishment of having worked together again, even with something as simple as the sound of a word. Then we can move on to answering the question of what she wanted to convey about it. It is still music, just step by step. I have learned for myself that the limitations of communication with Katie has as much to do with those around her 
as it does with Katie herself. I have thought about our process a great deal over the past months. I remember other times in our journey, whether due to busyness or short-sighted lack of interest, I might have ignored something that Katie tried to convey to me. While I can rationalize that it happens between all married couples, the recognition of it makes me sad with embarrassment. Even in a marriage with few regrets, there are things we'd like to do over again. Like anything that has become lost, I pine for the return of that sweet voice, for the opportunity to know it again, to fully experience what it was like when I thought it would be mine forever. Such days may no longer exist, so we dance to a new tune, one that has us singing in a new way through look and touch, incredulous at the depth of communication with little sound, excited at the discovery of new dimensions in our life together, and actually thinking very little about loss of hearing. <laughs>